Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Alameen, and we're broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, and we're streaming at WCEV1450.com. If you are just tuning in for the first time, keep up with us on social media. Follow, like our pages. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. And also take a moment to subscribe to the podcast. We are wherever you get your podcast at. Apple Podcasts, uh, SoundCloud, Google Play. Tune in. Look for us at Radio Islam USA. All right. It's great to be back with you, uh, family. I am joined in studio by the impressive one, assistant producer, Ibrahim Beg. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum assalam. We are going to be talking about some of the uh, pressing issues that are being covered in the news, uh, things that you are talking about, we're sure. And first, we want to start out in Florida. So for those of you who are following the governor's race in Florida uh, between uh, Mayor Andrew Gillum and uh, well, former Congressman uh, Rick DeSantis, you are probably aware of uh, some of the fireworks that have taken place uh, on stage, some really great sound bites. But beyond the sound bites, beyond the sound bites, there are some really serious discussions and some, uh, I think, some strategies that are starting to be uh, become exposed. So we're going to start our conversation out tonight, not in Chicago, but in Florida, looking at the governor's uh, race between former Congressman uh, Rick DeSantis and Tallahassee Mayor Andrew Gillum. And we're going to start out by listening to an ad that uh, DeSantis has running on, um, on the networks there. So let's take a listen. Knows my husband Ron DeSantis is endorsed by President Trump, but he's also an amazing dad. Ron loves playing with the kids. Build the wall. He reads stories. Then Mr. Trump said, you're fired. I love that part. He's teaching Madison to talk. Make America great again. People say Ron's all Trump, but he is so much more. Big league. So good. I just thought you should know. Ron DeSantis for governor. Okay. A little bit nauseous after that. Yeah, a little? Yeah, just a yeah. little. Yeah, yeah. I love how she said that, you know, oh, people say he's just a Trump supporter, but he's so much more. And, and the whole the whole ad is like the opposite of, of that idea. Yeah, he's actually, actually he's nothing but yeah. uh, uh, a Trump acolyte. So, yeah. You know what? Let me stop for a second. So we we play the clip, right? So there, the video that goes along with it, when he's saying build a wall, he's playing with what I assume is his daughter. Yeah. And son or daughter, I don't know. Yeah, son, so, some baby. Mm-hmm. And what's important to me here is how uh, it's much more than just commercial. This really is teaching a, a new generation, teaching the the, the our children. It's indoctrination. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's propaganda of the, of, of the highest order. Um, so you can't see it, obviously, on the radio, but they're playing with, like, these big blocks, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's telling his kid to build a wall. And, of course, the insinuation is the theme of the whole ad is, you know, blind uh, support for Trump policies. Right. And children are going to do what you tell them to do. 
and then you tell them why they're doing it. But they're used to doing it, so when you tell them why, you know, you get the picture. You're you're an astute bunch. All right, so now we're going to go ahead and take a listen to um, now. Now this is a, it's a little it's a little lengthy, not too long, but a little lengthy. Uh, an exchange between the two, uh, as well as a question from moderator at a debate between DeSantis and Gillum. So let's take a listen to this. In August, on the first day of the general election campaign, you said of Andrew Gillum's run for governor, quote, the last thing we need to do is to monkey this up by embracing a socialist agenda. Fox News quickly disavowed your words, saying, quote, they do not condone the language. Now, you called some of this response absurd. You've made appearances at four of David Horowitz's Freedom Center events, again, four separate times, four speeches, among some of Mr. Horowitz's statements, quoting here, this country's only serious race war is against whites. You know, I'll ask the questions. Okay. It's not a McCarthy game, and I, I'm giving yeah. Wait for the question, okay. sir. Okay. He also said, if blacks are oppressed in America, why isn't there a black exodus? Now, in 2015, in your speech before the Freedom Center, you said of Mr. Horowitz, David has done such a great work, and I've been an admirer. I've been to these conferences in the past, and I've been a big admirer of an organization that shoots straight, tells the American people the truth, and is standing up for the right thing. Those are his words. Here's my, here's my question. He had not even made those statements then. Uh, yes, he had, sir. The first statement was made uh, many well, how, years ago I mean, how the hell am I supposed to know every single statement somebody makes? Here's the deal. Let me just say this. Let me just say this straight up. Uh, you know, I've lived my life, whether it's athletics, whether it's military, whether it's serving as a prosecutor. You know, when I was downrange in Iraq, we worked together as a team, regardless of race. We had the American flag on our arm. We wore the same uniform, and we fought for the country. When I was a prosecutor. I stood up for victims of every race, color, and creed. That's the only way to do it in our country. It's something I believe in, and as governor, I will represent all the people. Everyone will get a fair shake. But I am not going to bow down to the altar of political correctness. I'm going to not let the media smear me like they like to do with so many other people. Sir, I'm, I'm certainly gonna not going right to take there. anything from Andrew Gillum, who's endorsed the Dream Defenders, which says Israel is an apartheid state, and, and which says the police that. and prisons have no place right in justice. Mr. Gillum, wait for the applause. And I, and Mr. DeSantis, I'll point out, I wish you would have waited for the question, because I had a question, and it's not what you think it is. Mr. Gillum, I'll give you a chance to respond now. Well, let me first say, my grandmother used to say, a hit dog will holler. Uh, and it hollered uh, through this room. Mr. DeSantis has spoken. Uh, hey, first of all, he's got neo-Nazis helping him out in the state. Uh, he has spoken at racist conferences. He's accepted a contribution and would not return it from someone who referred to the former president of the United States as a Muslim, N-I-G-G-E-R. Uh, when asked to return that money, he said no. He's using that money to now fund negative ads. Now, I'm not calling Mr. DeSantis a racist. I'm simply saying the racists believe he's a racist. But, Mr. DeSantis, uh, if I would ask the audience to please let Mr. DeSantis now respond. The conference I attended was keynoted by a Medal of Honor recipient named Clint Romache. It was not a racial conference. That is an absolute lie. And I'm not going to sit here and take this nonsense from a guy like Andrew Gillum, who always plays the victim, who's going out and, and attacking, as you, uh, aligning himself with groups who attack our men and women in law enforcement, attack our military. He still will not disavow the Dream Defenders. None of these things people are saying that I endorse. He endorsed the Dream Defenders, and they endorsed him, and that is wrong. 
Mr. Gillum. Okay. So the, the first thing that I hear, this, this feigned righteous indignation uh, at, the, at the thought of being labeled a racist, um, that's kind of an old play. Uh, especially when you consider when you consider the associations um, that have been mentioned. So I'm going to give you mm, just a little bit of info on David Horowitz. Aside from the fact that, you know, he being a conservative writer and um, uh, president of a think tank, right, the David uh, Horowitz Freedom Center, what I looked at, I wanted to look at something about him. So in 2001, during Black History Month, he tried to purchase advertising space right, in several African-American uh, university student publications to express his opposition to reparations. And many of the student papers refused to sell him ad space. Now, this to me, this shows the, the, the type of thinking that um, is often hidden under terms that would be embraced by the general public. You know, generally good people. You hear Freedom Center, you know, but underneath it, what you're, you're hearing something completely different. So let me get back to Ron DeSantis. A hit dog will holler. <laughs> I think that was that was brilliant. Right. It was it was simple and it was brilliant because that's the Trump game. That's the same. This is the very same thing that Trump did uh, at the very beginning when he was campaigning and who came out in support of him, but former Grand Wizard uh, of the KKK, David Duke, offering his support. And he did not denounce his support. He didn't say, I don't want your support. I'm not going to align myself with, um, you know, with you or with uh, that ideology. He simply says, well, you know, I don't know the guy. And and that was it, right? Nothing more. So the whole idea of a hit dog will holler and furthermore, he's not saying that DeSantis is racist, but the racists believe he's racist. I think that, that to me, is, um, that's the essential point. You can't, you can't toe two lines, and if you're not willing to, uh, to denounce racism, you're not, deni- you're not willing to denounce um, supremacist uh, organizations, um, you know, clearly— then that leaves you, in, in their opinion, that leaves you as a racist, as a supporter. I would just say that um, it's getting really, getting really ugly out there. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's it brutal is. out there. Yeah. Hey, but but do you see this the, uh, this connection? Right. And I have to go back to the um, to his ad. Mm-hmm. His wife says. He's so much more than a Trump supporter. Yeah. But he's following the Trump playbook. And the Trump playbook mm-hmm. is you take all the support from these fringe uh, supremacist groups. You use coded language. And when people call you on it, you just, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not one of them. But you never, you never publicly denounce. As a matter of fact, he didn't distance himself from Horowitz and his remarks and his rebuttal, he simply said he tried to talk about somebody else that was there and then turned the tables around to talk about um, uh, Gillum's support of 
and this is a group I'm not familiar with. Um, what was the group? Did did you hear? But remember. some yeah, some group. I but heard of them yeah, but but obviously it's a group that is shining a light on the mistreatment of the uh, Palestinians uh, with uh, in, in Israel. So that was something that he wanted to throw out. Uh, and once again, right, many people have already looked and realized and and, and stated that it is an apartheid state. So I don't know. Um, yeah, but I see your point. I see the connection between the ad and the uh, attitude that he displayed up on stage, which is basically the ad. The whole point of the ad is to for his wife to come and say, oh, he's just so much more than a Trump supporter. But every single thing in the ad is just demonstrating that he's nothing but a, you know, someone piggybacking off of Trump's policies. That's it, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And then for him to say that, no, no, I'm not a racist or whatever. So so Gillen brings up a valid point. Okay, if you're not a racist, how come the racists are supporting you, you know? Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I can see the connection. Yeah. If you're not a Trump, if you're, if you're more than just <coughs> Trump, just just piggybacking off of Trump's policies. Right. Why is the ad nothing but examples of that? You know. Yeah. If you're not a racist, why are the racists supporting you, and why haven't you condemned them? And so on. I see the connection. And then there's this this use of imagery, like going back to symbols that are supposed to have a patriotic uh, undertone, or not even an undertone, just outright patriotic. Mm-hmm. We talk about our servicemen and women talk about law enforcement and then you throw in Israel. And of course, um, Israel really yeah. doesn't have I anything mean, to do. Some, yeah, right. The broader question is what does it right. have to do with yeah, patriotism? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's blind patriotism. And, and that's the thing. It's to critique law enforcement is to say, um, not to critique, well, yeah, to talk about police brutality is to all of a sudden now to be a black or white yeah it's to be a black or white situation where you can't offer a critique for these um for these civil servants right so criticizing or critiquing Mm -hmm. questioning the police is unpatriotic questioning the government government policy is unpatriotic now even questioning the policies of a whole nother country which is not directly related to us is branded as unpatriotic yeah and this supposedly um, one of our biggest things has always been always been the uh, spreading of democracy, mm-hmm. and one of our closest uh, one of our closest allies <clears throat> in the Middle East, being Israel, uh, when they're behaving as anything other than a democracy, for us to critique that and be looked at as somehow now you're you're either anti-Semitic, you're unpatriotic. You're just a bad American, mm-hmm. you know. So it's a it's a real sad um, it's it's a sad playbook, but we're seeing this more and more. So um, now, what's the other thing? Now, since we're talking about Florida, that is not the only thing that happened in Florida. Yeah. Today there was a huge development: the arrest of a suspect in the uh, case of all the male bombs that were sent we don't i don't know if we know yet whether they were like live explosives or not or but um yeah they they were not hoax yeah they were not hoax those were they were potentially like yeah. real explosives but we don't know yet whether they were wired to be set off uh or they right. were 
you know, purposely left to be uh, just duds or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't think the authorities have officially said that yet. However, the suspect was in South Florida mm-hmm. by the name of uh, Cesar Sayok. Yeah. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, 56 years old. Um, was found. Uh, he owned a van. I'm not sure if he was. He might have been living in the van, or if he, he just owned the van. It was a big white van with many. Um, a lot of stickers on it, right? A lot of stickers and pictures on it mm-hmm. of various things. Um, I'll describe what a picture of the the a window of the van with all the stickers. Some Trump Pence stickers. Um, people faces of like left wing figures with uh what's it called like a target yeah drawn over them like hillary michael moore and a couple other people uh doctored kind of fun picture of trump uh like kind of perched on top of a tank mm-hmm. with the american flag and like explosions in the background and stuff like that so um they s- authorities are saying he was a registered republican yep um, he had a criminal record dating back to the early 90s, and he was arrested, I think, in 2000, early 2000s, for also for some type of a bomb threat. Yeah. So that's the, that's what we know at this point, I think. And um, I think it's also worth looking at and rejecting what has become the. Uh, the accepting the the acceptance of the outrageous, right? What used to be, what used to be considered outrageous and just completely unthinkable, uh, and is now just a part of our regular uh, political discourse. I think the, these are times where we really need to look and see how uh, the president responds to something like this. These are moments where the president is supposed to be presidential, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, there there was an article. In the uh, uh, Atlantic, and it was, and and I'm sure this has been written about in other uh, uh, journals, uh, papers as well. But what there, uh, the 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 author is talking about, is that the president is basically basically looking to be the president of a one state um, uh, society, a one a one party state. He wants to be the president of a one party state, and even though. He came out and gave this half-hearted, um, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that political violence is not being uh, perpetrated, and we want to clamp down on it. We need to come together as a, uh, as a, as a nation. Then later on, <laughs> this, is, this is the crazy thing. So he says this at first, which is halfway presidential, right? I'm going to do everything I can, not talking about anything that he has already said or the um, the way he has helped to usher in this era of acceptance of the outrageous. Uh, but he says what he says, and then later on, what does he do? He tweets a very, a very big part of the anger we see today in our society is caused by the purposely false and inaccurate reporting of the mainstream media that I refer to as fake news. It has gotten so bad and hateful that it is beyond description. Mainstream media must clean up its act fast. So this goes back, right? It it, it goes right back to what he's been doing all along. Mm-hmm. Um, so the question for me is, are we going to be surprised 
when we see some other act of um, some other uh, extremist act, because he's not tone. He said he's setting the tone for the base that resonates with his message. Yeah, he, he. I think with that statement, he once again did a lot of damage by um, bringing into his supporters' mind um, damaging the credibility of the media, which is reporting all this stuff right now. Right. Um, and I think that ties into something else that I saw in the an article in the New York Times today mm-hmm. about how um, false flag theories, conspiracy theories, have uh, gone w- mainstream and in, in, in the right wing. Uh, forums and and parts of the internet um and related to kind of what we were talking about earlier the debate with uh, ron DeSantis and andrew gillum mm-hmm. uh reportedly someone uh a woman arrived at the debate uh carrying a sign that read democrats fake news fake bombs uh, say that again Democrats, Democrats, fake news, fake bombs, hinting that you know, yeah, yeah. this is all uh, uh, some type of a conspiracy by Democrats to try to win sympathy and win votes and uh, make Republicans look bad. That's mm-hmm. the theory. Um, something similar, according to the Times, was echoed by Lou Dobbs, a uh, right-wing media figure on Fox News. Now yeah. used to be on CNN a long time ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, been on Fox News for a while. Supposedly he tweeted something. Uh, did he tweet it? Yeah, he tweeted something similar to to the, similar to to that effect, but deleted it right after. Um, and other people, other many several right wing pundits have said similar stuff. Rush Limbaugh said, uh, "Quote: Republicans just don't do this kind of thing." <laughs> in reference to the the bombs. Okay. Percent. Um. So this article is really about how uh, the theory of false flag, you know, um, not seeing reality as something which could ever possibly go against your uh, tendency, your opinions, your political, you know, mm-hmm. uh, agendas and so on. And just being having the notion that even when you see facts in front of you that they need to be rationalized and kind of turned and twisted in such a way where it again begins to justify like your beliefs mm-hmm. yeah we are uh, in, in addition to living in the time of alternate uh, facts um, that extends to us living in a time of alternate realities where people just make up their own reality there's something else that I see that I think is unique about this presidency that I have not that I did not witness after President Obama's election, President Bush's election. Um, and that is, even though there were, obviously, you got folks from different parties, you know, Democrats, Republicans, that are going against one another. But after the election, even with the normal politics that goes on, you there was, there was still not, there was more of a feeling that the desire was still to at least move the country forward and now it feels more like um, the desire is just to move a segment forward is is to protect one particular group of people and it's not about the entire country anymore uh, and that didn't 
I'm used to feeling like once the election, <clears throat> once the, elect, the votes have been counted, the election is over, then we, we move forward. We're still going to have criticisms. Yeah. We're going to have debates and arguments, but we're still moving forward. I just don't, I mean, it's just apparent that that's mm-hmm. just not where we're at now. Yeah, a lot of the experts have noticed this trend, too. Um, I think the trend started during the uh, Obama White House. Yeah. Um, and it was definitely the biggest, um, like, red flag for this trend being solidified was um, when Obama, near the end of his term, near the end of his second term, he nominated a judge to, to the Supreme Court, um, Merrick Garland. Yeah. Uh, and the Republicans decided the the leaders of the the House and the Senate and from the Republican Party basically got together and said, "We're there's no way we're going to let this nomination go through," you know. Mm-hmm. And tooth and nail, they just fought and uh, waited it out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was the <coughs> biggest indicator that this trend has really become entrenched. The trend of more very cultish. Uh, environment in Washington rather than just rather than working for the country mm-hmm. each party working for itself now we'll have to say as far as I can see it seems more entrenched in the Republican Party at this time but that's just my opinion I'm inclined to agree um, I think that the progress we felt we were making as a nation or we thought we had made with the election of the first African American president we didn't really see what was going on underneath. Uh, and to the point that you make uh, about that being the beginning of that really just, uh, you know, the division uh, that, that came up, because there's a whole lot of animosity that started to present, present itself. Um, because it wasn't just about him being critiqued, but the critiques uh, and the insults, quite often they had uh, racial uh, racial undertones, or not not even undertones, they were just outright uh, racist. So there was a segment of the population that was really energized and ready for somebody like Trump mm-hmm. to come out and start yeah. start whistling. And, and we can't forget, like the article I, I was talking about in the Times also mentioned, yeah, um, President Trump, President our current President Trump, was one of the biggest uh, proponents of the birther theory. Yes. That uh, President Obama is mm-hmm. somehow not born here. He's not who he said he he's not who he says he is. That was kind of the 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 undertone right. of course, but um yeah, the birth of thing. He was the biggest one of the biggest promoters of that. I don't think he's not the originator of it, but he's mm-hmm. the one who really uh tried to take it mainstream. And, and once and, again and now he's the president. Once again this goes back to we don't need facts. All we need is an accusation. Um, and the accusation is enough to build, you know, to build a, a support and enough resistance. So he's he's built he's built a name, and I think that's really when he started campaigning for president. Um, I don't know if he was thinking about it at that point, or if he was really just just heckling, but um, but maybe he was. He's always had that the ambition to be. Uh, president and be this super powerful person mm. um, and he did run before uh, 2016 a joke, yeah. Um, yeah. and a lot of people say looking back at the uh, there's a White House what is that thing called the press press junket 
ball not junk or whatever. The, uh, like White, White, White House Correspondents Dinner? Or? Yeah, 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 yeah. That one in 2011 mm-hmm. uh, when Obama finally came out with the birth certificate just to, to quash any doubts. Yeah. And Trump was there, and he's roasting Trump like really bad. You've seen that, yeah. right? Yeah. So a lot of people point to that and say this is the moment that Trump made up his mind that he's somehow going to try to get revenge on Obama and the Democrats and try to get his dignity back or whatever after being really humili- humiliated. Uh, because if you notice, Trump is not the kind of person that could probably take a joke about himself, you know, no. I would assume. He's, he's this very uh, peculiar kind of personality and self-perception, you know, mm-hmm. um, as far as we can tell. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of people said that was the turning point maybe. Yeah, because and, and to to that point, when you have to point out things like I have the best words, uh, my hands are normal size, uh, you know, whatever. You start mentioning where you went to school, you know, all of these different things um, to to make to legitimate to legitimize yourself. Um, that is a sign of a person who actually is terribly insecure. One of the biggest things that we notice in uh, President Trump's speech pattern when he's giving a speech, which is like written down, uh-huh. he might be reading it off of a screen or whatever, but during the course of that speech, he'll always interject things, right, mm-hmm. that are not written down. And so it's an attempt to make whatever he's saying is good in the speech, he interjects things to make it seem like this is absolutely the best thing ever, right? Like yeah. this is a really good trade deal. And then he'll stop and be like, best trade deal in the history of the world or whatever yeah. and then if he's saying something bad like this trade deal or whatever is bad something this country is bad he'll say like oh it's the worst thing in the world that's ever happened and so on mm-hmm. to make this ap- this absolutist kind of a thing that whatever I say is good is the best thing ever mm-hmm. whatever I say is bad is the worst thing that's ever happened you know yeah. So that's one of the most noticeable things to me about uh, the way he gives speeches. Mm, that constant interjection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you think that his um, his leadership style, <laughs> if we call it that, how do you think his leadership style is affecting the way politics are being uh, engaged in on a local level? On a local level? You mean... Do I think people are trying to emulate yeah. his style? Mm-hmm. Um, I hope not. I don't know. I can't think of any direct example. I mean, because we live in Illinois, so it's not really... Um, even the people who do support Trump here, I feel, are a little bit milder than they mm-hmm. may be in other places where, like, a completely red state, you know? Yeah. Um, his leadership style is really uh, confusing to me it's hard to put my finger on whether he's really in the White House I can't quite uh, decipher whether he is taking a kind of hands off approach a lazy like hands off approach and just hoping everything works out or if he like other analysts have said um, his corporate style is to kind of pit people under him against each other Mm -hmm. and see who comes out on top and so on I can't tell if he's doing that or if he's just being very laid back and just kind of taking it day by day and not really knowing what's going on. So I really don't know. What's funny is after the election, his acceptance speech, his crew is behind him, and everybody is looking really somber. 
Uh, matter of fact, it was a somber speech. And it was at that point, and of course, in um, in uh, Michael Moore's movie, when he, he's talking about it, uh, that Trump had no idea he was going to win. They didn't expect to win. Say, uh, uh, Putting that out there, do you think that he didn't really feel himself capable to really do the job? It was more important to, to run, more important to, to tour, to be at the rallies, to have people cheering him on, um, but not really feeling like he had the real skill set because I'm going to attach this on to it. Uh, not feeling like he had the skill set evidence in his own business uh, success because he that that business has been shrouded very much uh, in secrecy. What we have been able to see is very limited. He hasn't given his own uh, tax returns. Uh, his you know he's got a history of uh, bankruptcies. Uh, some shady business biz, uh, business dealings and stuff, right? So he's not. He appears to not be the image that he that he presents. So, do you think that he had doubts himself about really being able to be capable of doing the job? And because of that, he focuses on just issuing more distractions than he does really dealing with real policies. Well, I can't really speak specifically to what's going on in his mind. Yeah. But I can say that um, it seems to be a general phenomenon among human beings that human beings can, if they try hard enough, they can build up a persona for themselves, um, which is not based on truth, but it's kind of a very a layer of psychological uh, techniques that they've built up that they can build this persona for themselves which is something very which tends to be you know something very uh, tough and macho and arrogant and and so on the several uh, organizations uh, in the media particularly the New York Times over the past I want to say couple months have been doing a lot of investigating and um, they ca- they went through a lot of uh, documents uh, from Donald Trump's father's businesses, Fred Trump. Yeah. Uh, he, was, he was a big real estate guy in New York City. Um, they came to the conclusion that most of what Donald Trump himself uh, portrays as him being like a completely self-made kind of guy, a self-made millionaire, billionaire, mm-hmm. um, is really not true, and that most of his fortune uh, was inherited from his father through various um, tax not evasion maybe but various loopholes and and techniques from within the uh to kind of get the best of the irs and i think they said that donald trump was a millionaire before he graduated high school because of the just the way that his dad i mean to his dad's credit he wanted to take care of his kids or whatever yeah um, and make them rich Mm. which is in itself is not a bad thing um so a lot of yeah they've been launching a lot of these investigations and everything my point is um, when it gets to a certain point psychologically emotionally I don't think it matters to people who have built a type of persona for themselves even if some facts come to them that indicate that their persona is you know not what it seems to be or that might shatter their sense of reality I think the human mind in many cases has a way of working around that and in order to maintain this, um, 
the shell that is built for itself to protect itself emotionally. So, uh, so I can't speak for specifically for Donald Trump, what's going on in his head, but we see this phenomenon in 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 human beings, you know, over and over of building a protective shell of an, an ego around yourself. Yeah, to, and to have that shattered um, or, or questioned, mm-hmm. you know, it, it could really lead to uh, some serious psychological distress. So, yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, I personally think that, and, and I'm going to uh, extend that line of uh, thinking as well, don't know what's in his head, but I do know people who are, uh, who posture. Uh, and I know the the difference between the people who actually do, right, who do work, uh, and, and the ones who want to pretend that they're doing it. And it's usually the pretenders that are the ones who are out front, and they're flashy, and they want to draw kind of attention to themselves. Um, and not to say you can't have somebody who, because I think about somebody like Mayweather, right? He's a flashy dude who shows his money, um, but it's put the work in, right? But I'm just saying in general, um, the there's a the the, the confident, the quiet. Uh, I should say there's a confidence that exists in people who know they are capable, uh, that and they realize that they don't have to. They don't have to broadcast it. And going back to the way he interjects in speeches, it's the mark of a person who is trying to sell you on something. Uh, and when you know you have something that's really yeah, good, when you know you have something that's really good, it's, it speaks for itself, right? All you have to do is present it. Uh, so that's why I think that he doesn't think he's he's really capable of doing the job. Um, now, I, 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 I add this one other thing in. I was listening to um, this um, professor. I can't remember where he's from, but he was talking about Trump's need for division. He said this is really the only way that he can govern, the only way that he can continue to be uh, in power, the only way he can be president is to have uh, division. Because he, if he were to try to be a unifier, then people, you automatically look, you know, without without the, the the schisms and the the issues that you know we're, we're 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 fighting over and we're just looking at quality of the individual quality of the leader preparedness of the leader he is not the person that anybody most people in, in their right mind uh, would pick most people right my people <laughs> just put it like that right but that 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 still may be a minority okay we're going to take a short break. This is Radio Slime. We're on WCEV 1450 AM. We'll be back in a minute. back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Alameen. We're broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming at WCEV1450.com. 
And you can keep up with us on social media by following and liking our pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll find us at Radio Islam USA. And that's also where you will look for us to get the podcast, subscribe, review, rate, uh, wherever you get yours at. Google Play, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, tune in at Radio Islam USA. So we've been um, we've been looking at uh, really some of the fallout of the oh, I shouldn't say fallout. We've been looking at some of the effects of the Trump administration, how the culture of political discourse has changed and uh, the introduction of the outrageous, right? The outrageous as normal. Um, there's something else that, well, you know, before we go any further, uh, as you all know, the impressive one, assistant producer Ibrahim Baik is here with me. Assalamu alaikum. Like Um, just caught wind of this. So today, and before I even introduce it, I'm going to say I don't have a problem with anybody being whatever political party you decide that you want to be, whoever you feel, um, you know, whatever agenda works for you. I mean, that's the beauty of of being in the United States is that you get to make that choice for yourself, okay? Um, but none of our choices are made in a vacuum. I'll say that. None of them are made in a vacuum, right? Everything is related to something that came before it. So today at the White House, there was the Black Leadership, um, Black Leadership Summit at the White House, and... Um, President Trump spoke to a group of uh, students, college students from, I guess, around the country. Uh, it says conservative blacks between the ages of 15 and 35. It's a three-day event mm-hmm. for the what's called Young Black Leadership Summit. The Young Black Leadership Summit. Okay, so we had youth and some not so young that were there for the Young Black Leadership Summit. This is organized by Turning Point USA. Don't know uh, exactly who they are, other than they are a group for uh, for pro-Trump students. And uh, it was more of a it had more of a rally feel to it. Uh, and there were some things that some of the things that took place here also take place at rallies where the audiences are basically all white, such as the infamous locker up chant. And that was in response to, um, I think he said something about globalism or globalist. And they responded with, lock lock, them up. Lock, lock them up. <laughs> right? Lock them up. We're not concerned about listening to why you think the way you think or listening to your position. Just lock them up. If you're not with us, you're against us. And that's, that's where we are. But tell us about, you mentioned some of the folks that were also speaking uh, at this Leadership Summit. Oh, according to USA Today, yeah. uh, in addition to President Trump, other speakers include Candace Owens, who's a kind of a new rising star uh, among the Republican Party. Uh, Larry Larry Elder, you know Judge Larry Elder. Yeah. Uh, Stacy Dash, uh, she's a famous actress, and Dr. Ben Carson. Mm. So I think they're talking about not maybe not just today, but through the course of the weekend. It's a three-day conference. Right. Well, someone had to invite Stacey Dash somewhere, so I'm good for her. But I want to lead out. I want to I 
explore this comment that he made. He says the Democrats are very nervous. They do nothing for you. This is what the president is telling the attendees. The Democrats are very nervous. They do nothing for you. And also, you just connect that to something he said on the campaign trail. He says, what have you got, what have you got to lose? Right? Speaking to African Americans, what have you got to lose? Well, I think we have seen what Republican uh, control of both houses under his leadership has resulted in. And that has been gutting of a program that allowed for uh, health care for millions of uninsured Americans. So what have you got to lose? I, I, I don't have to go much further than that. You've got your health care to lose. Right. Let's start with that. And that's and that should be. But it's not. Uh, but it should be at the top of the agenda uh, for I think for for, for anybody health care, the cost of health care. You could be a millionaire. Right, you could ha- literally have $10 million in the bank and have a serious medical illness that requires uh, specialists and medication and, and all types of around-the-clock uh, care. And without insurance, if that illness is prolonged enough, you could, you could, you could be in a poorhouse. So health care, that's what you have to lose. Ask the question. That's right. Start there. That's what you got to lose. Right. Yeah, you're right. But um, I think I predicted this one before, once before. Right. That that this there's there's going to be a growing sentiment young, uh, among young African Americans, mm-hmm. um, and that's based on uh, a broader sense that look, you know the. Uh, inner city neighborhoods have been under democratic control for many decades now right and mm-hmm. things still haven't really gotten better those same structural uh problems that existed back then they're still there there's still violence in some cases in some neighborhoods violence is worse than ever mm-hmm. um the this sentiment is only going to grow in my opinion that Whatever the status quo was, Democrats or whatever, it's not working, and we need some type of alternative, whatever that may be. So for a lot of young people, I think they will um, be drawn to these arguments. Mm. That in the face of a president who dismisses any mention of police brutality or African-American young men of color being killed, Unarmed in the streets by those who are sworn to serve and protect um, as un-American. Hmm. Right. So I think these are issues, especially for those who, who live in inner-city communities. Now, for those who might find themselves in affluent uh, communities, uh, because you know, we also don't want to make this stereotype to, to um, give the impression that all of African America... Uh, all African Americans are living in distressed communities because that is mm-hmm. not the, that's not the reality. Of but for those that are, uh, I, I still would think that there will be enough of a realization that your money doesn't your money doesn't save you because if if you are stopped by the police if you're in the wrong uh, just driving through the wrong area or whatever you could want, you could find yourself on the news. Mm-hmm. So issues like that. I would think despite some of the failings of past uh, administrations or the Democratic Party maybe not doing everything that it 
should have done, not maybe not, but not doing everything he should have done. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's enough to, you know, to um, to deal with his rejection of these real issues. Yeah, I mean, of course, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Yeah, but um, what you say makes a lot of sense. But is that can you convince the people of that? You know, is I, I'm trying to tap inside what going through the young people's minds right now that's all mm. and um some of them yes they absolutely would agree with you and some of them say no maybe not i don't know mm. well and i also recognize that this is theater too this is mm-hmm. this is television this is carefully orchestrated don't know who any of these individuals are what their qualifications are to be uh considered as leaders um and not to not to discount any of them, right? Some of them may actually be be doing something, but generally, when you talk about leadership from the African American community, there is a service component that's attached to that. And whether that's providing jobs, education, advocacy, activism, there's something that um, that connects you back to uh, to the community. So for these people to be called leaders, I'd like to know. What is the, what is their definition of leadership? Yeah, and just to go back a second, I think one other thing that might be going through their minds is um, that Obama didn't really produce much results for helping the black community, um, which is of course debatable. But I think that's a pretty widespread perception. Mm-hmm. Um, Obama, the Clintons, mm-hmm. um, you know, this kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's very interesting to me to watch this happening i think i think it's a fair uh question it's a fair critique but i think that also lends itself back to the realization that most of america probably doesn't understand the real limitations of presidential power mm-hmm. uh, even though the president is, is immensely powerful but in terms of uh, enacting legislation, being able to use executive orders, right? There's a, there's a, there's a scope that that exists in. Um, if Congress is supposed to be, and that's why we're having the issue we are right now, with um, because DACA was something that the president, President Obama, was able to basically push through um, on his own, right? So when you look at the the, the the conflict that he was still having with the the Congress with the Senate, um, it's I think it may put some things in in different perspective. And I'd say that you know everybody is everybody is deserving of some critique, um, but I just don't I don't see what Trump has done that's going to make people feel like thing is going to be different especially when he well he never did anything for anyone but that's just it right he's an alternative to the status quo and the status quo is not working for a lot of people that's one of the things that made him big you understand my message to democrats is basically just step your game up you know if you if you really claim that you've done a lot to help the black community to help uh poor whites etc i mean it's show and prove you know you gotta you gotta bring these things to the table and say, look, this is what we've done, you know, and this is how we've made your lives better. If they can't do that, then people are going to get whatever alternative comes in front of them. You know what I'm saying? I, I agree with that 100%. Um, 
I agree with that 100. percent And and that was why I said I don't have an issue with anybody being call yourself a Republican or a Democrat. That's really not that's not the issue. The issue is the agenda and where you fall. You know where you fall on that uh, on that agenda. What kind of resources are you uh, going to receive? And uh, I mean, because you can prosper under under either uh, party. It really doesn't matter who's in power. It's are they going to address your issues? So this this group that we have. Uh, that that showed up today, and once again, I go back. Television is theater. Uh, everything is is carefully scripted. Um, it, it, there's a director, right? So people are in there. They are assigned seating, and they're gonna sh- they're gonna shoot it in a particular way. Um, but that image is worth a whole lot. So, to your point, it may resonate with some folks. But I think for others, it's going to be like, man, are you serious? <laughs> what, what are you? What are you? What are you all doing? For this guy, this is who you want to who you want to support. Yeah, so. and I, I want to say also, I certainly understand uh, people's shock to see, you know, something like this too. I don't want to make it seem like I'm just arguing for that one side. I'm really trying to no. play devil's advocate yeah, yeah. here and. Um, I do really feel that the Democrats have done a pretty poor job in proving, you know, like this is what we've done for the black community. This is what we've done for working class whites and, and everyone else, you know. I agree 100% yeah. with that. 100%. All right, folks. We uh, we have come to the end of another edition of Radio Islam. On behalf of myself, my co-host, um, Ibrahim Bey, the impressive one, we are going to say what are we going to say? We're going to say sayonara. We don't say sayonara. We say assalamu alaikum. But before we do that, we're going to thank our engineers over at WCEV. And we thank you once again. Uh, we're your producers, um, co-hosts, hosts. And our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. And we remind you that the views expressed by the host and or guests are theirs and not to be taken as a representation of Sound Vision Foundation. And now we're going to say it. We're going to leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.